If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to take them and turn with me to Psalm 100 this morning as we are going to take what I believe is a necessary break from the book of Romans that we've been in for almost two months now. I trust that you can mean those words that you just sang. It is well with my soul. I trust you can say that a lot of people cannot say it is well with their soul this morning. I think what happens is because we have a tendency to look at life from a skewed kind of vantage point view. We look at at life from the world's perspective as opposed to looking at life through the lens of the gospel and through the Lord Jesus Christ. I was reminded of that when we watched that little video a moment ago about that single missionary woman in Central Africa. What's interesting is we kind of view life, who do we celebrate in life? And we recognize and we're like, wow, he is a brain surgeon or um, he's a professional baseball player, or a rock star. He's a rock star. He's a fighter pilot. And we we tend to measure, let me tell you this, when we get to heaven, it's going to be that that single gal. It's going to be those missionaries that were sent and called to the central part of Africa. That everything will be rerouted and turned upside down. And we will be able to say when we see things through the lens of the gospel and through the Lord Jesus Christ, then we'll be able to say, all of us, it is well. It is well with my soul. We're getting a little reverb here. Psalm 100, let me read this before we go to the Lord in prayer um, as we pause and focus our attention this morning. Listen very carefully to these needed words. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Would you bow your heads and pray this morning with me? Father, we are most grateful for who you are. This morning we're able to come into your courts with praise and thanksgiving on our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that in a world where everything seems to change, that you remain steadfast and unchanging, immutable. We thank you, Lord, that you were the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we pause, as as everything stops this morning, and we give our attention to you and you alone, 
I would pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us more today. We would hear your voice. That, that our hearts would be cut deep with why we need to give thanks as we focus on your love. Encourage our hearts. Quicken us, awaken us, comfort those who are afflicted. May we be softened clay in you, the potter's hands. I ask for help that you would assist me in every way so that everything that is said and done would be for your glory and for your glory alone. We ask this in the amazing and matchless and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So Thanksgiving, and, and I, I wanted to just kind of pause and as I was beginning to think, like, this has been a little bit of a challenging year. Did you pick up on that or not? And I was beginning, how do we assess what this year has looked like? And how do we give thanks for some, like, really crazy stuff that has happened? So a summary statement, just by way of introduction, I'm actually going to read to you, some of you heard it already, just a, a paragraph of, um, about a month ago, I, I offered my pastor's report to the body uh, at Big Woods. And, and I'm just going to quote some of that now so that you gain a little bit of perspective as far as where I'm coming from and how we give thanks in this kind of time that we find ourselves in. A little adjustment because it was exactly one year ago this very Sunday. Exactly one year ago this very Sunday. December of 2019, Wendy and I returned from a three-month-long sabbatical. It was graciously gifted to us by our family at Big Woods Bible Church. As senior pastor, I wanted to steward well what I believe was a most wise investment. We traveled, we visited kids and grandkids, we hiked, we talked, we ate some really good food, and we threw up some really bad food. Wendy got robbed in Greece, and I got lost in Israel. We prayed together, we read scripture together, we visited churches, we worshipped, we sang, and for some reason we felt led to pray more. It was a needed time of refreshment. Personally, I too took much time alone to read, to study, to plan and pray, but did not understand why I felt such a heavy burden to pray so much. We returned home well-rested, ready, eager, and anxious for 2020, or so we thought. In, in January, I met together with all of our elders for an annual retreat. We spent time intentionally reading the Word of God and praying together. We spent time listening to one another and especially listening to the Lord as we carefully made plans to adjust, to improve, to increase, and to expand the ever-growing ministry at Big Woods. We prayed for wisdom and unity and grace and patience. Little did we know how unimportant our planning would be but how important our praying would be. I will now formally report at no time 
in no plans and in no prayers during my sabbatical or in our elders retreat were the words coronavirus, COVID, CB19, pandemic, social distancing, quarantine, hand sanitizer, nasal swab, face mask, or the words Zoom, Zoom app, Zoom me, Zoom meeting, Zoom prayer meeting, ever, I repeat, ever used. Why is that? Why is that? I'll conclude reading at this point my pastor's report, report, but I think that there's something tremendous that allows us to kind of refocus in moments and seasons such as this, as we pause to give thanks to the Lord. We have got to, in moments of uncertainty, plan and plan and plan, but basically it's what? It's committing to follow regardless. And as we commit to follow regardless, that's when we're able to keep a perspective of what? Of, of, of what Psalm 100 actually speaks about. It is a call for us. It is a cry for us, regardless of any and all circumstances, to give praise. It's a cry for us to worship. It's a cry for adoration to God and for God alone for all he has done, all that he has blessed us with. Why is it that we gather so faithfully? Why is it so important for us to gather like this every single Sunday to come to church? Why do we do this? Yes, we enjoy seeing one another. But, but the ultimate purpose, God is glorified when we what? When our spirit and our soul is what? In tune. Brought in touch with God. We come here to see and to hear who he really is. We're to come willingly to worship, to bow down, to bathe and to bask in his glory. Not to just like do this thing because this is what we're supposed to do. We're not here to fulfill a job or a duty. And I think it's this psalm right now in the middle of the, the craziness of 2020 that reveals much needed truth for us. I know it's revealed much needed truth for me. As we look at this psalm this morning, I don't know if you picked up on the fact, and I'm a, I'm a you know this, I'm an exclamation point kind of guy. Okay, there's six, count six exclamation points in these five verses. What's interesting, these verses also start with verbs calling us to action. They're commands for us or they're imperatives for us. And just as an exegetical kind of side note here, I love how this psalm breaks so easily into two categories. It is a command to be thankful in verses 1, 2, and 4. And then it also expresses in verse what 3 and 5 a cause or the reason for our thankfulness. What I love as well about Psalm 100, I don't know if you picked up, it is a universal call to worship. Listen very specifically to whom this is addressed. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all of the earth, it says in the first verse. In the final verse, it says what? His love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So think about this, all of the earth for all generations, which means this, all lands, all people, all times, 
we are to come before the Lord in worship. Worship is so deep and so wide. It applies to every single person in every single era, in every single stage of life, in every single circumstance, in every single pandemic. This psalm right here is a call for all of the earth and all generations to give thanks. It begins with what I call first a command to be thankful. Very simply, we see this in all verses 1, verse 2, and verse 4. There are four commands in this first command to be thankful. It, it starts with make a joyful noise. And, and Craig perfectly alluded to that this morning. We get caught up with, I think I'm going to touch off tune here. No, 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 it's, it's, it's about what? It comes from deep within, making a joyful noise, a shout joyfully to the Lord. It is a bold affirmation in the confidence that we are to have in God. You know what this speaks about? It speaks, it speaks about enthusiasm. And it speaks about excitement and displaying some energy towards what God has called us and who he has called us to be. Worship is a time to celebrate what God has done for us. Do you think of other times? Can you remember Sunday school lessons? Where is it in the Bible that people like shout it? Where, where, where did they make noise before? In what circumstance or setting? How about, remember, remember, remember the Israelites circling the city Jericho? Remember that in the book of, of, of Joshua? And we, we remember this in Joshua chapter 6. At the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in and they took the city. Why is it the wall fell down? Because the people shouted really loud? No. The walls fell down because the people of God were obedient. They were told to shout. That, that's why the walls fell. It had nothing to do with the actual shouting. Well, the sound waves were so strong and they were so close to the wall. No, no. They were obedient. They were commanded to shout and they shouted. And guess what? God arrives in our lives, in our hearts, when we shout don't get too loud now. A lot of aspiration coming out of your lips, I see, in the lights. When you shout. No, no, I'm sorry. How about another time? Ezra chapter 3. We have the people. All the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. It says that they wept aloud and the sound was heard far away. The building was, what well, the temple was being built, the foundation had been set, and they know what it represents, the presence of God, and they shout it. And, and they were convicted in their obedience to the Lord, weeping because of their sin, so much so that actually people from on the other side of the hill heard you realize that's some, that's some instruction for us as the church of Jesus Christ? Well, well, wait a minute. This is, you know, like 
We're sophisticated people here. Pastor Jim, I don't know if you realize it. This is 21st century. We just don't, we don't shout because then you look, you look less cool. No, no, I've seen you shout. I've heard you shout. Get a bad call at a football game. Ref doesn't pick up on, on something and, and you're what? Your taxes go up. We hear shouting all over the place. So you have the ability to do it. What are those things in light of eternity when we are commanded to shout for the one who brought the walls of sin crashing down that freed us from sin and death? May we be reminded this morning in a season set aside to give thanks that as we give thanks, we do it with some excitement. And we do it with what? The volume up. Because that's what God calls us to do. Not only do we make a joyful noise to the Lord, but look at this. Serve the Lord with gladness. Oh, really? I have to like serve? Like I have to show up on time, and now i got to do that with the smile. i got to paint the smile on. No, th this is what the Word of God says. Serving is what? Is simple, humble submission to the world of, Word of God. It's interesting that some translations actually replace the word serve with the word worship. They're that closely connected. Serve the Lord with gladness. Worship the Lord with gladness. The two go hand in hand. Which speaks what? Service in a sense. Serving, as Pastor Josh just reminded us about the needs in, in nursery and children's church. Serving flows from our worship. It's not just about you getting and getting and getting. It has to be about you giving. What is interesting here is what I've watched over the years. One of the first indicators that I get from a person who is serious about their faith. And what happens oftentimes is, is in the infancy, the baby Christians. When I hear something like this, hey pastor, where do you think I can serve? I know. The seed of the gospel is making its way deep down. How, how can I use, I don't have a lot of talents, okay? But I got a little bit here. How can I use these? You know what the sad part is? Is that I hear this question. Pastor, how can I serve? I hear that more from baby Christians, new believers, then I do hear that, then I hear that from Christians that have been here for a while, where some like moss is beginning to grow on people. And, and we're instructed here to serve. I love, I love one of the great texts in all of scripture, Isaiah chapter 6, when um, God gives a vision to Isaiah. Remember the, remember the dream that Isaiah had? And he says, I, I saw the Lord. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. He was high and he was lifted up. And remember, and, and, and what? He heard holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then, then the response, just from what Isaiah saw, he realized that I am just so undone. I'm a wreck is what it translates. Woe is me. I'm a wreck. And the Lord said, 
Who am I going to send? Who do I have that I can use? Who will go? He literally asks. What is Isaiah's response? What is Isaiah's response? What is Isaiah's response? You know this. Here I am. Send me. That's the, that's the young woman that we just heard. Like she's been praying for someone to go, and the peace came when she said what? I guess I'm the one. How, how long has it been? How long has it been since you've fallen on your knees and said, Lord, what is it you want me to do? Like there's some action here to our faith. How about the Apostle Paul, Acts chapter 9? Galloping towards Damascus, breathing threatenings and slaughter. Knocked from his horse, a brilliant, bright light. And he calls out, Lord! He recognizes the authority. What is the first statement out of the Apostle Paul's mouth when he was licking dust on the ground? What is it you want me to do? What is it you want me to do? Part of expressing our gratitude... Part of expressing what our thanks to the Lord is what? To make sure we serve him with gladness. The greater our picture of God, the more willing we are to sacrifice. Sometimes I think that we kind of box God up. And God, if you do this for me, you show up for me and you solve this problem for me, you give me the gifts that I want, then I'll serve you. And that's a dangerous, I'm just standing, that's a dangerous place, dangerous place to be. We see God's holiness. Lord, send me. We understand his lordship and sovereignty. What do you want me to do? Notice as well that it says that we don't serve the church. It doesn't say that we serve the pastor. It doesn't say we, we, we serve the leaders or we don't serve the organization. It says we serve the Lord. Yeah, but it just doesn't look right. Like, I don't really like that person. And I don't know if I can serve alongside of them. No, no, you serve the Lord. Look at else. Look at what else here. Another command. Come into his presence with singing. I have such a terrible singing voice. I literally was, I literally, years ago, I was diagnosed as tone deaf. And I know it's probably not like shock for you, like really? No, like honestly, like they just told me, stop singing. And yet here, there's another authority that says what? Come into his presence, into his courts with praise. Come before his face. With singing. Oh, how I love, how I love music. And how I believe we have to hold on to the truth of what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4 that we just speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Like this is part of who we are. One of my mentors, one of my heroes that taught me growing up. Al Gabrell was his name. I remember this. He said, Tim, remember, music does us so good. Oh, I love that. Charles Spurgeon says it like this, the invitation to worship here given is not a melancholy one as, as though adoration were a funeral solemnity, but a cheery, glass, gladsome exhortation as though we were bidden to a marriage feast. 
That's what we do when we come into his presence. We sing, yeah, but I'm a little off tune. I don't want anybody to hear me. That's not what we're talking about. Look at another command here. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. I, I, thought, I thought God was here to bless me. Isn't, isn't, aren't we, isn't God here to bless us? Like, I'm here so that I get blessed. No, we, we actually are instructed to come into his presence, into his courts with praise, and we actually can be a blessing to his name. Expands on that expression of thanksgiving and praise that are, that are, that are done in response. I, I use that as a personal definition of what worship is. It's a response. We're doing something to God's goodness and grace. What does that look like? An old English Anglican missionary, his name was Roland Allen, tells the story. Of one time he was done preaching it, and a veteran missionary had come up to him to tell him a story. He said I, he, 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 had, he had experienced this. He had been a medical missionary in India for a number of years. And this, this man told... Roland Allen, this story, he said, I, I served in a region where there was progressive blindness, and people were born with healthy vision, but there was something in that area that caused people to lose their sight as they matured. But this particular missionary had developed a process that would stop the progressive blindness. So people came to him, and he performed his operation, and they would leave realizing that they would, they would have become blind, but now they were able to see for the rest of their lives. He said this, they never once said thank you. But the reason is that there was not a phrase, there was not a word in their dialect for thank you. Instead, they spoke a word, they spoke a phrase that literally translates, I will tell of your name. I will tell of you. I will speak of you. Wherever they went, they would tell the name of the missionary who cured their blindness. They received something so wonderful that they had to eagerly proclaim it. So should it be with us. I'm not saying we don't express gratitude, but the way that we give thanks is to tell of his name. We have to. I can't keep silent when you realize how great God is. When you realize how good God is, we should not be able to contain it. We cannot hold it in from the depths of our souls. We sing and we shout for him. We're to serve God with joy, with a song in our hearts. We don't do it. We don't do this out of dutiful drudgery. I think there's moments like this that we just stop and we have to refocus our heart. Let me tell you this, somber Christians, somber Christians are, are not contagious Christians. Joyous Christians are contagious Christians. We have this mindset I heard a story one time, an older, sitter, older sister was sitting next to her little brother. And, and, you know, big sis is trying to keep squirmy, little, busy guy quiet a little bit. And he just, and he just, he just 
just wouldn't stop fidgeting and whispering and making noise and distracting. And she said, I just wish that you would calm down. And, and he said, it's just, it's just so boring. And she said, quiet, it's supposed to be boring. You know, that, that's really at some level, like that's some level of what we expect here. Why, why would you sing God's praises and God's thanks before men, but not before God? To whom the praise is to be directed. Worship is a time to celebrate what God has done for us. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Can I just ask you this question? Do, do, do you do that? Is there a contagious joy about your life? Yeah, but it's been a, it's been a tough year. Like It's been not, not, a, not a lot of smiling going on behind the mask. God is still on the throne, my friends, my family. God is still sovereign. God is still in charge. No one gets sick. No one gets, no, no one gets dead. That's not, not right. No, no one dies apart from God's sovereign allowance. And we trust that. We see a command, what, first and foremost, to be thankful. But secondly and finally, we see a cause for our thankfulness. Cause the, old, the old Anglo-Saxon translation of the word thankfulness actually translates thinkfulness. Thinkfulness. Which means what? When you pause and you ponder and you think of all the goodness of God's grace, then what? It, it, it gathers the fragmented pieces of our minds and it what? It, it pushes that out. An outright gratitude. That's what Psalm 100 does. It declares what true worship is. And we begin with this whole idea like, well, like, why, why do we praise? Why do we adore? Why do we thank? Why do we appreciate? Why do we t express gratefulness to God? Why? Why? That's a good question, but thankfully it's answered right here. It says, because he is God. The songwriter what, bases his praise upon a statement of fact. Know this. I want you to know this. Know that the Lord, He is God. Don't pass over that. Don't race on to the next phrase. Of course He's God. No, it's, it's just, well, it's too simplistic. It's too basic. No, it's not. Understanding that God is the sovereign, master, creator, savior, sustainer over everyone and everything brings tremendous cause to our giving of thanks. A message was being preached in Acts chapter 4. 28, it says, whatever your hand, whatever your hand does, in a sense, it, 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 it records in verse 28 that it has been planned, it has been predestined to already take place, which means you can't move your fingers. You can't move any part of you without God's predetermining what you're going to do. He is God. A simple fact, He, He alone, is God. A simple fact that still eludes millions upon millions upon millions of people. Why? Because they think that they're God. And you think that you control the shots. That you determine your direction. No, He is God. And we're going to 
great old Christian songs from the 80s. God is God, and you are not. And we rejoice in that truth. Notice the appeal to creation. It is he who made us. Um, I, I actually prefer some of the phraseology of some of the old King James version. It says, uh, it, it includes, and not we ourselves. It is he who made us and not we ourselves, which just is what? It's like an exclamation point that's not there. Because you think for a moment that you, no, 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 no. It's God who made us and not ourselves. There are no self-made men here. There's no self-made, successful women here. You, you, you don't make your career, okay? You don't form and fashion your family in your own home. I've heard people tell other people they've had a, 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 they've had a close call. Like, whoa, whoa, that was close. Thank your lucky stars. Can, can I be truthful here? There are no lucky stars. Lucky charms. Any day before 9 o'clock. But there's no like, oh, just thank your lucky star. There is no lucky star out there. There is no such thing as luck. Good luck. Hope it works out. No, no, God is behind all of this. You don't, you don't determine the direction God has determined for you. What you and I are to do is just fall on our face every single morning. Lord, what does he want me to do? Where does he want me to go? What does he want me to say? With all the close calls that we've had, with, with, with all of life's pain and sorrows and trials, there's actually joy joy knowing that God controls everything it is the ultimate this life is the ultimate it is he who made us not we ourselves the ultimate call to praise Remind of Solomon's wisdom remember Solomon who just happened to be like well he was described as the wisest man who ever lived yeah, but Solomon was a bit of a screw-up, but sometimes, yeah, he was. And yet he still had a perspective that, that God gave him a view. Solomon says this in Proverbs chapter 30, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You know what I'm reminded of that? That's, that's an ownership thing. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are his. There's an ownership issue here. And there's such peace and security knowing that you're not your own, that we are actually his people. What a wonderful comfort in the midst of a tumultuous 2020. People have lost track of how many adjectives to describe this year. It doesn't matter how difficult it's been. You are his. We're little, tiny, adorable, really dumb fluffy sheep that he shepherds and cares for and provides and loves and protects in his pasture. Just, just like step back and, and breathe that in. John R. W. Stott says this, we are summoned to worship him not because he has made us and taken us to himself to be his own, 
but because he will stay by us. I love that. The heavenly potter, he continues, will never discard his work. He will persist in fashioning it into a vessel that is beautiful and useful. The heavenly shepherd will never abandon his sheep. And he quotes, he will make them lie down in green pastures and lead them beside still waters. His goodness and mercy will follow them all the days of their life. The vessel is safe in the potter's hand and the sheep are safe in the shepherd's arms are, are you are you living in confidence today that you belong to him or are you living in fear like i don't know what's going to happen I, I truly wonder then do you understand that you are his you're his he loves your children your grandchildren more than you love your own children Think of that for a moment and sleep well. I've challenged what? Everyone, repeatedly, the church of Jesus Christ should move through this time of uncertainty, this pandemic, with grace and calm. And what's happening, sad to say, is the exact opposite in many ways. I've heard two testimonies in the last two weeks. That those outside of the church receive someone who is in the midst of struggle with more grace and calm than those inside the church. Twice in two weeks. Where someone is upset and they receive better news from those with no hope outside than supposedly those that belong to him. We're his sheep in his pasture. And for some reason, we stand in panic. Forgetting the reason that we are to give thanks. Finally, there's another cause to our thankfulness because he is good. I just, I just love the conclusion here. He is good. The songwriter adds these words, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures. I, I tell, when people begin to understand the goodness of God, it changes their entire outlook. Entire outlook on life. It changes, what, the way that they serve, the way that they sacrifice. When people understand God's goodness, it, it takes life from the drudgery that it can be to the delight of living as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens is that people cheerfully and joyfully serve and give and listen, extend grace and love, not in, not in duty and obligation, but in joy. Why? Because God is good all of the time. Nowhere, 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 nowhere is the goodness of God more evident than atop Mount Calvary. Nowhere. Because you deserve to be nailed there, and I deserve to be nailed there. Nowhere do we see the majesty of God's goodness and grace on display than on that skull-shaped rock of Golgotha. I can't wait. I can't wait. What are we going to have at Christmas Eve service? Like, what happens like, if people don't show up? What happens if like, the pandemic gets worse? We will celebrate one way or another 
that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's where we begin to see the goodness of God on display. Can, can I ask you, like, where, where are you at with this? Like, this, this is time, this is needed time for us to attune our spirit and soul to him. Not what you want, I'm sorry. Like, where are you at with understanding God's sovereignty in the midst of this? Where are you at in your what? Erupting of praise and adoration and joy towards God for all of his goodness to us. To think, to think, to think that I deserve the full wrath of the Heavenly Father. And somebody steps in and says, I'll take it all. I'll take it all. Should be, should be what? We, we, we are to be ecstatic as a result of that. Every morning we, we get up and we leap out of bed to serve God because of what he has done for us. Not to win salvation or to earn our justification. That's been paid for. It's finished. Jesus cried it out on the cross. But because of that truth, we give thanks and praise to the Lord. May, may this psalm, and I would encourage you to just, just, just bathe in it over this next day, over this next week. Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. Father, we love you. I love you. I love the message that you've given to us through your word and the grace that you display to us, the mercy that you pour out that is new every morning. Father, I pray that we would, would, would not look or elbow the person next to us, but we would examine our own hearts. We would hear the Holy Spirit speak to us, to me. May we confess our own sin of, of keeping ourselves on the throne and thinking that we're going to control things when we can't control anything. May we rest in your sovereignty. May we have a peace in our life, in our heart, that is beyond understanding. And may the church of Jesus Christ stand out as shining examples of moving with grace and calm. And may our focus be on you. To God be the glory. Great things you have done. Go with us. We ask this in Jesus' name.